Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast for media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar saurians and skillies. I'm your host, Lynn Millenon, and with me are my co-hosts, Angron, Math Machine, Striker, and Lucky Eevee. Today is our 19th episode, and we're discussing the 2019 OKKO episode, Deep Space Vacation, so let's get things started. Yep. So, so OKKO, in my opinion, is definitely one of the more underrated of the uh, Cartoon Network shows of the mid to late 2010s. It really had, yeah, It really had a <clears throat> creative art style and the character designs work out really nicely. It has almost a sketchy style that reminds yeah. me a little bit of Squiggle Vision. That's the style that you know, Ed, Ed, Eddie, and Eddie and yeah, Dr. Cat. That does remind me of that a little bit. In fact, they actually referenced that in uh, another episode where they sort of did a spoof of uh, the Scooby-Doo Ghoul School. Yeah, because then they show them in their Ghoul School designs, and Enid is drawn to look like, you know, an old Hanna-Barbera drawing from, like, the 80s. And that is a contrast. Again, in that episode, too, they show up as the as the Eds, which is a fun little reference. But, yeah, yeah. the show had a lot of crossovers with a lot of other properties. Of course, there was all the other uh, Cartoon Network shows. There was Captain Planet. There was the aforementioned Scooby-Doo in the Ghoul School. There was Sonic the Hedgehog, and there was going to be a Mega Man one, but sadly they pitched it. it but apparently, Capcom did not approve of it. We'll have to see. Uh, but yeah, uh, the show really had a lot of fun with its stories. Like there was one episode where a bunch of Anthros took over, so they had to basically become anthropomorphic <laughs> animals. Like you know, oh Kale yeah, the wearing. I remember that. But, I remember but here's that. the thing: they stayed in those forms forever it's permanent and the way they got around it is oh well i guess we'll have to wear these human suits for the rest of the series <laughs> it's yeah. stuff like that that is really just shows how fun and how well made this show was yeah it, it oh, was yeah. A lot, it was a lot more clever than uh, it led on i will and, admit that the the animation is a little off model think, it does but, get a little hard to look at sometimes with how much it goes off model i have that problem yeah. too with it for the overall, it really have that looks big a really great. Yeah, yeah. I will say it's that style. Style, it didn't bother me that much. And if any of you out there want to say it's Cal Arts BS, then I will kindly say that is not. <laughs> that is not. That's actually a cl- no. it's just a clever art style. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the it's thing. Just an art, it's just an art style that uh, is cost effective and more times than not can uh, come across pretty interesting if you know how to present it. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, uh, this episode, Deep Space Vacation, it takes place in the third season of the show. And right at the bat, it starts off really good because the relationship between KO and Enid has always been really kind of heartwarming. And you really uh, you get to see that in this episode, I feel, especially with the uh, beginning. Now, one thing that is fun with OKKO is they use a lot of these stock cartoon sound effects mixed in with it. And you think that would get annoying. But yet it really doesn't. It actually feels like it's cohesive to the world. Like when, for example, a Hanna-Barbera show from the 1970s uses the same, you know, slip and fall down noise. You're, you were like, oh, not this again. But here it actually seems to work. Maybe because the world feels more fleshed out. 
maybe because there's more care put into the story or animation, but it's something that really you do not notice unless, you know, you're like us and are big animation fans who would notice these things. So yeah, basically what happens is Enid and K.O. want to go to uh, Planet X for their uh, annual feast for all the various space food. They mm-hmm. ride in the space motorcycle, which is really just a cool concept right there. Yeah, honestly. it is. Yeah, yeah it's it a really pretty cool concept. I, I, I mean, it honestly reminds me a little bit of the uh, Veritech uh, Cyclones from Robotech Invasion, and those um, are already cool in and of themselves. Like, oh my gosh. They also remind me intentional. Yeah, they also remind me of the Dual Runners from Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds, which is also very interesting. Oh, those that was one of my favorite series growing up. Oh, yeah. They were one of my favorite, too. I, I, I finished it, and I'm not too 100% keen that they uh, left it on a cliffhanger, but if you really want to go in and do kids. like the stubbed to like get more context, then you do you. But yeah, it's yeah. it was really fun. And the cycle yeah. has those two uh, designs. Uh scream out to me in that regard yeah so yeah like i said uh basically the fun thing about okko is the story usually the stories are well done but there's sometimes it's not the most important thing what the show really does well i feel is the characters and the world building because it feels like such a complete basically universe in the show it feels like the entire show was planned out and properly plotted to where it feels alive. It feels like a place that you could visit. And that's one of the reasons why I think I enjoy it so much. So anyway, getting back to the story, uh, they go off to see uh, Planet X, and of course, it's no longer there in an an asteroid field. And this is where we are uh, not introduced, but we get to see probably the most predominant role of our dragoness of the episode, Cosma. Now, Mm. she... Now, of course, she appears, and the music choice in this scene is almost seductive in a way. I have to wonder if that was intentional, because she makes these poses later on in the scene that seem like they that's what they were going for. Now, Cosmo, this is not her first appearance. Usually when mm-hmm. we talk about a dragoness or a character, we usually talk about their first appearance or one of the most notable. Now, Cosmo first appeared in Season 1 in the episode Stop Attacking the Plaza, and she made several more appearances uh, on and off, basically. She has mm-hmm. more of a businesswoman vibe, and that makes her a fun character and definitely one of the most, one of the uh, more memorable ones of the show. Yeah. It, it, she seems almost underused because it feels like they could have really set her up to be like a big threat or like a main, main villain of the series. But sadly, I cut short, so we will never know. Yeah, that's pretty sad. I also, yeah, it honestly reminds me of another character uh, that I'm not going to name here until we get to, like, a certain other bit much later. But they have, like, this businesswoman sort of feel. Like, they're ultimately underused. They uh, have potential. But, unfor- but like, the times we them. do see her, the times we do uh, see this person, it's ultimately kind of, uh, like, passive. And they're, like... Uh, and, and they're very memorable. They're very memorable in the yeah, best yeah. way possible. But Easily like... one of the more memorable parts of the show, especially yeah. with the uh, design. Because yeah. in this episode, uh, she has more of a giantist look compared to mm-hmm. her usual more slender uh, form. And her voice actress here is interesting because it's a different voice actress than she usually has. Her usual one is uh, the actress who played, I don't recall her name, 
She played Troy on Star Trek: The Next Generation, which shame we never got that crossover. We could have had. She also played General Zara. Yeah, she also played General Zara from uh, TMN, the TMNT special Half Shell Heroes. She also played I forget the cat's name, but we, I'm just gonna call her the cat from uh, Infinity Train. So oh, she, nice, is no nice. uh, she is no stranger. She is no stranger. And she is usually a great oh, voice yeah. actress, but. For some reason, I don't know if it was scheduling or if it was like, you know... Um, Probably they, scheduling. Scheduling, yeah. She doesn't voice Cosma in this episode. And yet the amazing thing is, I could never tell. I watched one of her earlier appearances compared to this. No difference whatsoever. Whoever this, uh, vo- you know, this uh, current voice actress or Cosma, she did a fantastic job. I could not tell the difference at all. Mm, yeah it kind of yeah honestly there's a little bit of difference but yeah it, it's a little you'd have to listen carefully in order to figure yeah, that yeah. out which is very impressive yeah so cosma basically has a really fantastic design which is one of the reasons why we enjoy her so much and are going to enjoy talking about her she was inspired by pulp science fiction uh like basically the lizard men from flash gordon but nice. her main inspiration getting back to the star trek she was based a little bit on the Gorn from Star Trek, the original series, the uh, lizard man that Kirk had to fight with in the uh, in the episode yeah, with the uh, brain aliens. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I get what you, you mean. You can definitely tell that from the from like the suit she wears, and especially with uh, the boots and that the combat boots. I can definitely tell that they base this off of a uh, really old pulp science fiction, and it's a really yeah. nice design for her. She yeah. also. She also reminds me a little bit of, like, those Golden Age, uh, like, sci-fi supervillains, like, from Marvel or whatnot. Like, I, you exactly. could make the argument have... DC, but Jack Kirby, I feel that, yes. yeah, Jack Kirk, I could, I could honestly say that it worked, that Marvel suits her style a little better, because, you know, cosmic, Cosma, Marvel's uh, more yeah, cosmic, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I could see. If only, if only she was in the MCU, then maybe this face would be worth watching sometimes. Yeah, yeah, she is a lot more muscular and larger than usual, which she has a reason for explaining, which, you know, I like they did. Her horns are longer than usual and she isn't wearing her boots and she has a notable like, you know, six pack and her her snout is basically more jutted out. And I I don't know. I really like this design. I feel like this what would be how she looked if the show had a more traditional animation style. This is how she would have looked throughout basically the entire thing because this design is phenomenal. You could tell that the animators had a lot of fun coming up with this uh, basically ultra superior form for her. And the fact that, you know, she is basically omnipotent and can do stuff like make herself a giantess and, you know, it definitely plants. makes her very, yeah, eat plants and that, which we yeah. will get to in a second. It yeah, makes her very popular in uh, fan art and she's probably one of the more popular dragonesses which for someone that is really so recent not as recent as like sisu or babe or anything but she's still relatively recent she has gotten a lot of love and it's easy to see why yeah absolutely absolutely like just yeah it's obvious to see why personality design yeah yeah complex of course makes her uh fun thing and even the little touches like things like her picking her fangs with a, a satellite is just fun yeah i mean the visual I mean, gags <laughs> yeah, yeah there are a lot of them she owned, this that. We'll she owned that episode i will say that much like yeah, yeah. every little thing she does it is 
pretty impressive, all things considered. Yeah. If we got only one episode uh, to feature Cosma and basically have her as the main threat, I'm glad it was this one because yeah. she she steals the show easily. And I like uh, the fact that her voice is distorted when she's larger. That's always a fun touch of dragonesses. And the fact they did it here was good. And just the fact she her movements just feel so fluid. Mm, yeah, when she's like, most. you know, teasing them around, you know, by making all the pose and that, she is almost not at a different frame rate, but it feels like uh, she's more of the focus in that mm, shot, which is very interesting. Yeah, yeah, very much so. A lot so more so when, a lot less so when she's like in her normal size, like for exactly. business purposes, but like for pleasure, you got yeah. right here. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, getting back to the story, basically what happens is Cosma tells them that she ate the entire planet because she can do that. Yep. And apparently, because yeah, because she's a foodie and that's what she does. And I and Ko and Enid's reactions, which you know are completely horrified in that. She's so casual about it. I think that's, again, part of what makes her a fun dragoness, is that a fun like, character as well. Is that she's, she's a just villain. So, he knows yeah, exactly. She, she's a villain. She owns it. That's what I am. You know, yeah, she well, knows. Why should I change? Yeah, I mean, she's basically Jack Horner, but uh, the concept is honestly a, a little better, or a yeah, lot better. Yeah. Not, yeah, that this, yeah. not that this Jack Horner, but come on. Compared to no, a cosmic no. dragon, no she's, way. She's, she is great, and I really hope we do see more of her and other stuff in the future. Now, there is one part of the animation that looks off, and it's when it does these close-ups of K.O. and Enid's faces. They're, they mm. move from, like, corner to corner of the screen. I don't know why. They just look so off. Like, that one scene, it feels like their faces are... I know, granted, the show goes off-model quite a lot. That is part of their charm, and yeah, I recite that. I just feel, in this particular scene it doesn't work it just looks awkward to me and maybe it's a problem with me i don't know but from in my opinion it just does not look very good it, not saying the rest of the episode's bad but just something i noticed that uh was a little bit off but regardless mm. it is still a lot of fun and yeah uh the and basically uh cosma is uh genuinely threatening despite the fact she does all kinds of cute little gags one of my favorites probably being when she uses an asteroid as a bed, complete with like a blanket, a pillow, and like a little nightcap on. It's something that just it has no reason to actually ex happen within the confines of the story, but yet it is so cute and really it's just a, a quick little gag that really, really works. It's like a four second, you know, joke. Mm. It actually can turn out to be one of the funnier parts of the episode. So now, so now, what happens in the uh, story episode? Getting back to that, is that uh, Ko and Enid basically try to find ways to get the uh, planet out before she digests it. Of course, because mm -hmm. all their friends—well, not all their friends, but their friends—are on there. So they find up these uh, candy-like stars, which I swear to God is a reference to him of all things Hamtaro, because there was an episode of Hamtaro that had like the ham hams think that the stars looked like those kind of candies. I don't know if it was intentional oh knowing who made the show and how much they, you know, put a lot of things into Cartoon Network's past. I have a feeling that they probably might have taken a little inspiration for that, mm. even though Hamtaro didn't really air on Cartoon Network over here. It aired another one. Anyway, mm. getting back to this, uh, Cosmo quickly devours the stars in that, and 
Probably the best gag of the episode to me happens right now. It's after, you know, she eats them. Um, Enid goes, oh, now will you give us back our friend? And the cousin just looks at and smiles, no. no. It's, just, it's so simple. Okay. It's just the, yeah. Like, the, yeah. Nope. He has to be one of the best characters. Oh, yeah. And she's so petty, too. That's also what makes her so fun. And oh, another yeah. use of a classic cartoon sound effect is when she eats the stars. It's one of those classic, like, uh, whoop, uh, Hanna-Barbera noises. That was my impression of it. But yeah. you can definitely tell that uh, the use what? of these sound effects were done for fun. Uh-huh. Yep. This entire episode honestly does feel like fun for the most part. Exactly, exactly. And really, the entire show can be summed up with that. They, now, they did have some... You know, slightly more serious episodes, but only slightly. I feel like the you know light, you know jovial tone really again works out for it, especially compared to some of the other Cartoon Network fare. This feels like I feel like this and Gumball are my favorites, just because they both have mm. the similar kind of vibe to them. I like Gumball a. Li- I like Gumball more than uh, Ko. To be I would, honest, I do too. I, will, I do too. G- Gumball is yeah, amazing. Not, That's my favorite of the twenty. I will, but I will not discredit where credit. I will not discredit Ko where credit is one hundred percent due. This show exactly. definitely went far, and it's very o- obvious with a lot of things. Like it's a- obvious with like Enid. It's obvious with uh, let's see what's another one like boxmen and like the robots and whatnot it's obvious with freaking like down to the freaking name gags like for the longest time i did not realize chip damage was like an actual term until i'm like hey wait a minute yeah yeah see that's always fun when they put stuff in very much that you don't realize what they are until you're older that that is always fun and it and it was very much obvious when it came down to Cosma. Exactly, Absolutely. exactly. She definitely was one of those characters. And the part where they uh, try to stop Cosma by flying around her again on the space motorbike. Her, yeah, the animation and, looks really impressive yeah, there. And the actually the picture of her there, it's not actually an animation cell. It's like a painting. Like you know how they used to do on SpongeBob, for example. The I think the most famous one is Squidward's. Does this look unsure to you? And then it cuts to like a horrifically detailed Squidward. You know, no. Cosmo basically is done up in that kind of style where she's done with a lot more detail than, you know, KO and Enid in that show, or really in general of the show. So it makes me wonder if this is like a painting of her, like not not so much a painting, but like a drawing of her that they put the animation over for this sequence. But yeah, yeah, Cosmo, of course, easily thwarts them, and she uses, like, a tennis racket to swat them away. It very much reminds me of... Mario Galaxy. Yeah, exactly. That was a fly swatter. A fly swatter. Sorry, sorry. I thought it was a tennis racket, but yeah. Yeah, it it reminded me a lot of stuff like uh, Discord from uh, My Little Pony, Friends of His Magic, would do, which I definitely could see a similar kind of style with her in this episode. Compared to, actually, how her usual self acts... I have to wonder if this was actually the intention for Cosma all along, and they wanted to keep it like her as a more serious, business-minded character, as kind of like a foreshadowing in a way for, or almost like a misdirection rather. Yeah, for it's this version. It's like of her. Uh, it's like something like say the Beyonder from Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Like you know something's up with this. You know something's up with him, but like you can't quite put it 
you can't quite put what it is exactly, you know? Exactly, exactly that. But yeah, uh, they try to attack her again by using a moon as a wrecking ball, but it barely hurts her. And yet, despite this, they, there is a great couple of reaction shots and faces in this sequence, and I am surprised the internet has not picked up on this and memed it to hell, because, wow, some of them are really well done. They last a second, but you pause them and you look at them and you just start laughing. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Cosma basically ends up becoming really frustrated with them and just like swats them out of the sky like flies and of course Enid and KO drift in for away from the space bike into a black hole. Yeah, the they actually that is, the thing that is interesting with this sequence, it's actually scientifically accurate. You actually would like spaghetti file like that if you fell into a oh, black yeah. hole. I mean, Cubic I mean, Air Treasure Planet did the same thing. Let's let's not beat around yeah, the bush. Yeah, true, true. On that front, I'm just saying for this kind of show to actually have something scientifically accurate about space like that, you would you would actually stretch out and like like that if you fell into a black hole. So that's some good advice. If you ever you know take one thing from this show, it's this: don't fall into a black hole. Yeah, don't fall and into a black hole, buddy. Your, that that's that's your warning tip for today. But yeah, I mean, uh, Rad uh, calls them from inside Cosmos stomach, and none of them are even aware that she ate them or ate the planet. Which honestly, that is a really funny gag that they none of them even bothered to notice until she told until Enid told them over the phone. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> bro, you are going to die. What the fuck are you doing? I'm like, exactly. bro, WT. It, like, it basically was a more G. Her reaction is basically a more a G-rated version of that. But yeah. More of a, a child-friendly version. Oh, absolutely. And, of course, I her reaction to his indifference. I thought it was too dark and moist. <laughs> I, exactly, exactly. And, and again, it, it, it shows how well the timing is done with this show for a gag like that to work. And not only that, but Enid's reaction to it. It's very much classic cartoon rage of her. Which I was probably, you know, expecting, but not expecting the level that it would go to. Because some of the faces she pulls off are really, really well done. Mm. Yeah, Cosma basically uh, shrugs off all of the attempts of them to get it out of her. But then, of course, the residents of Planet X do it. And this is probably the one part that kind of doesn't yeah. work for me. Because it, it, it honestly it didn't feels, 100% work when I watched it. It, it feels... I don't know. I mean, I know it's a kid show, and you gotta appeal to kid humor, ha ha ha, and that. But it just really kind of drags it down. I'm sorry, you know how they get you know the Planet X out of Cosma by you know while belching at the same time. That is very very juvenile in a way that the rest of the episode isn't. And granted, it is a kid show, and yeah, you have to play to the audience and that. But I don't know. I feel like there was a more creative way. You could have done it than just, you know, oh, we're almost running out of it. It felt like, pat not padding, but it felt like rushing the episode over. It was like, oh, we got to finish the episode. We only have uh, a minute and a half left. How do we do it? Uh, okay, uh, do you have an idea? Okay, good. Let's do that. It, it definitely feels like it was unnecessary for me. Yeah. And it's a shame because the rest of the episode, otherwise, is really, really well done. But... Actually, when I rewatched it a second time for this podcast, I actually just fast forwarded that part. I literally like, you know, uh -huh. I, I fast forwarded through that because it, it is, uh, I don't want to use the word cringe, but 
it 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 does not fit. Let's do it that way. It is something that does not fit, whereas the uh, rest of the episode does. Yeah, it's just like we. Yeah, they literally burped their way out of there for crying out loud. It, yeah, yeah, it is again kind of. I mean, granted, it uh, it is a kids show, but it is still a little bit too far for me. I, yeah, it goes a little too. Yeah, it goes a little. But yeah, yeah. Then we go back to a really funny gag where Cosma, after she manages to you know cough up the plan that is really really tiny, tiny enough to where she can fit in you know Ko's hands, and then she just you know disappears back to probably back to her office or something. Yeah, and she looks really adorable there, and it's a cute little gag. And sadly, this would be the final speaking role for Cosma. She would only have oh, a cameo no. in the. Yeah, yeah. She would, and there would only be uh, one more appearance after this, which would be the finale in which she appears in a still shot in which she's back to her normal self, uh, basically berating her workers and whatnot. And also, really... well, there's a giant, there's a giant scene of her where like uh, it's million billion, but then she like eats the planet like nothing oh, ever right. happened. All uh, right, right. I see, but that. But I feel like there was a missed opportunity to not have her slowly become the main villain. The way I feel you could have done her is like Mirage from the Aladdin TV series. You could have had her wind up being like the arch, one of the arch nemesis of them as a yeah, whole. And you could well play played. off her both the businesswoman side and her more, shall we say, free-spirited side from yeah. uh, this episode. I feel like there was a way you could have done it, but again, sadly, the show is canceled, so we did not get to see that. She did make a cameo in an episode of uh, Villainous in a crowd shot with a bunch of other Cartoon Network characters, and I'm just glad to see her again in something. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so uh, basically they say Planet X, and Enid is just so blasé about saving it uh, and wanting to leave that it's kind of out of place compared to the beginning of the episode, I guess because all, all the things she went through, but it still feels a little bit jarring how she just, yeah. you know, she was so excited about going to the planet, and then by the end of it, she just wants to get out. Granted, I mean, too, I understand. you had to get your butt butt kicked by a giant space dragon goddess yeah, thing, yeah, that and too, then that get too. sucked into a black hole, you'd probably feel a little worn out, too. Yeah, yeah, and KO makes a really adorable face there, and yeah, then they go home back to Earth along with Rad, who didn't want to stay on Planet X any longer. And that's it for the episode. This is an 11-minute one, but it was a really, really fun one. Probably one of my favorites of Season 3, to be honest, or the entire show. Because, again, Cosma is a great character, and you don't really get to see her as much as this. And as I said earlier, she really was underused, and if they could have just used her... A little bit more, just a tiny bit more. It would have yeah, been, it would have been a perfect series. But yeah, what happened sadly is OKKO OK was canceled due to very low ratings, and the final episode was basically them just taking every single concept they had for an episode that they couldn't use because it was canceled and just cram it in there as like a you know a special little thing. But they took literally every single idea they could not use on the show for like a season four and maybe even like a season five. And it's a shame because this show really, really deserved better. 
I feel it like really, granted, it got three yeah. seasons. I mean, that's better than a lot of shows get. I mean, how many have been canceled after like 13 episodes, if that? So it did do better than some other shows. I still think it deserved a little bit more. I really do think they had so much potential to do more, to basically... Uh, it, it is good the way it is. Let's be honest. It is still a very good show. But when you realize what could have been with it as well, it really makes you think, you know? That being said, OKKO OK is a very fun show, and this is a very, very fun episode. And I would v- very much uh, recommend it to anyone who just wants a good time. It's a good 11-minute uh, uh it's a good way to basically kill 11 minutes and have a couple of good laughs during it. And, of course, oh, yeah. see a really, really phenomenal dragoness. Yeah. Yeah, I, f- I do honestly admit that Cosma is pretty uh, underrated. Like Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I will also say this. Uh, there were a bu- I really wanted to see uh, a bunch of other uh, collab ideas as well. I mean, I would have paid good money to see Capcom do a Mega Man crossover with OKKO. OK Hell, I probably could have helped. Crazy idea, but they yeah. probably, probably could have done either a One Piece or a freaking One Punch Man crossover. Oh, that would have been. That would have been. That would have been amazing. That would have been they, they, awesome. I would have loved to see that. That that would have been so... Yeah, shame. I really feel like you could have done... Again, with the crossovers, I feel like you could have done a lot with them. And sadly, of course, the show is canceled early, so we're never going to see him. But I feel that, again, another good crossover for me, you talked about Capcom earlier, I think could have been Street Fighter. Mm, yeah, I could have yeah, been. Great I mean, too. crying out loud, KO is pretty much just freaking Ryu. Exactly. Have, yes. And you can actually have, like, you know, Ryu and Ken and, you know, Chun Li and that reacting to the weirdness of this world in, like, you know, a different way. Like, why is the world like this? Something like that, you know, like a fish out of water kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course, in this WB, they'd probably go more for Mortal Kombat, but that would take a lot of censoring to get a kid-friendly. Let's do it that way. Yeah, let's let's be fair. A lot of frickin' censoring. Like, uh, for crying yeah. out loud. Like, oh, man, I mean, hell, our, I mean, let's be fair, though. If Arthur could get away with censoring a bunch of, like, adult show references, like, say, South Park, Beavis and Butthead, yeah, whatnot. Exactly. Yeah, okay, KO could have done that. You're right. You're absolutely right. They could have done that, but honestly, I kind of wanted to. I kind of want to see the uh, the uh, Street Fighter one more than the Mortal Kombat one. Yeah, same, same. So now it is time for the uh, question of the episode, and this week's question is: What is your favorite Cartoon Network show? Now oh. I have a kind of unique answer because my favorite is going to be. Courage the Cowardly Dog. Now, I love Yo, Ed, Ed, and Eddie. I, I laughed so hard as a kid. My parents had to check up on me because I was laughing so <laughs> That's hard. True. So, That's I love Yo, Powerpuff Girls, Yo, Dexter's Lab. You know, uh, basically, anything before Ego Trip, Dexter's Lab is golden. But there's something about Courage the Cowardly Dog that is just really so phenomenal. You, you It is a cartoon that is a one-of-a-kind. It, it has such great... 
It has humor. It has really heartwarming moments. It is scary as hell. Some episodes, like well, absolutely. The episode N- make when, no uh, mistake on that front. Yeah, Courage going to New York and that, and he goes up the stairs. The first door he opens is a King Ghidorah behind it, which is cool. The second door is a shark, and the third one has like a girl playing a violin. She turns around, and it's like some horrific demon face, which is like really freaked me out as a kid. I oh, didn't that really the scariest bit. Yeah, yeah. And but it also has some really, really great humor. I think my favorite joke from Curse the Cowardly Dog has to be the one where they win a thing on a cruise ship and Eustace goes, blah, blah, blah. I'm not getting out of my chair. Cuts to the cruise ship and then it cuts to Eustace still on his chair on the deck. And I was like, nope, I told him I'm not getting out of my chair. <laughs> it's just something that's so simple and yet it works so well. Apologies for my horrible, horrible impression. That probably sounded more like Popeye, but yeah. there you go. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I ain't getting out of here. Oh, I, I, I mean, mean, I could if I really had the effort for it, but unfortunately, um, no, 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 I don't right now. That's okay. That's okay. But yeah, it, it really is such a well done show. And again, Courage is a fantastic character. His backstory is really tear jerking and it yeah. too has an ending that really wraps up things you know perfectly which you know knowing from the episode that the last episode of courage is a very uh, appropriate word shall we say yeah. and dilworth has tried to revive it a couple of times he uh, made a cgi short in the uh, late 2000s early 2010s that had wallace sean as eustace and it's yeah. pretty neat. And it's pretty neat. Yeah. The Courage crossover, which is very Scooby-Doo. terrible. I do not recommend. Dilworth had nothing to do with it. And they gave Eustace a rap number. I do not. <laughs> I like Eustace. That sounds amazing. What are you on about? <laughs> it, it, no, it's you, you think it's funny. It's not. It, it, it is not. I'm sorry. It, it, the concept, you know, is it could have worked. But no, no. N- not now. I feel like if they were going to do a Courage uh, Scooby crossover, it should have been while the show was on in like the uh, early 2000s. That it should have been, you know, they one really, Killworth was working on. They on really the can't do it now, though, unfortunately. Because no, no, no. Of course, the Thea White, you know, R.I.P. Yeah. You know, Muriel's voice actors passed away. Both Aww. of Eustace's voice actors have long passed away, and I think just Dilworth really isn't interested in doing it, which. I don't blame him, you know. The show's a show. Uh, let it be over. Also, on another uh, somewhat sad note, uh, there really isn't a Cartoon Network in Spain. It closed down in uh, 2013, but there's a, there's a free-to-air TV channel here called Boing that basically airs all the Cartoon Network shows. It is Cartoon Network, just with a lot more uh, Doraemon. But it is basically the same thing, so we didn't really lose it that much. Mm, yeah, I actually went to Doraemon's hometown, uh, hometown, nice. like interesting Ooh, fact. Nice, nice. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I definitely gotta go this and that. Definitely was one of my yeah. favorite shows as a kid, but that does not count as a Cartoon Network show. So that's why yeah. I mentioned it. So, and Gron, uh, what would you have to say? What is your favorite uh, Cartoon Network show? Okay. So, before we get to that, here is a brief top three of uh, my favorite Cartoon Network shows, because lordy do I have a lot of guilty players and a lot of favorite shows, but 
I, I here here I have narrowed it down to a th- top three. Thank fuck. Number three, <laughs> Samurai Jack. It ended it oh, ended right. nicely on a job. Yeah, yeah. Swim kind of br- hampers it down a little bit, but I will say this: from beginning to end, it was amazing to watch. Number two, Steven Universe. Like mm-hmm. no, like unapologetically, future included. That it, 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 it was really nice choice. Nice choices. Yeah. And oh, yeah. number okay, back up for this. Okay. Number one. Yeah. Codename Kids Next Door. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. That was a good show. I watched it. Of seasons, those like, were great. Wow. Oh yeah. yeah. This was made. Yeah. On top of being the same same person who made freaking Pepper Ann for crying out loud, and also had a hand in the seven Ds. Interesting fact. Yep. We'll talk about that oh, another sweet. time. Yep. It's just, it just represents everything about Cartoon Network. It's fun. It can be pain, un, it can be emotionally painful. It can, it it has a lot going for it. It has such a vast variety that I honestly cannot that you don't really get a whole lot of nowadays. Like, it had so much diversity in like the quote unquote genres and whatnot. And it honestly like embodies the fully and unapologetically being a freaking kid. And it is, oh man, it is just fascinating. Yeah, yeah, like, I, I have question. to agree with you 100%. Yeah, they're really great choices. So, yeah, there uh, are, sorry? yeah, there were a lot of other shows that I could have easily considered. I mean, for crying out loud, I. I mean, Unikitty is in my top ten for a good reason. Like, I mean, it's one below Mega. Ma- I mean, it's one below freaking Craig of the Creek for crying out loud. But come on, nothing will ever top Codename Kids Next Door for me. It has such a balanced variety. I, I, I'm basically holding it in high regard. If it what, if it wasn't going to be Steven Universe, it was going to be Kids Next Door, hands down. Absolutely, uh, great, great choices. So, uh, yeah. Math Machine, what do you have to say is your favorite? Ed, Ed and Eddie is really, really close, and it depends on my mood some days. But generally speaking, Samurai Jack is the top. Oh, yeah. Is yeah. yeah. Number, three, Number three. It yep. is incredibly well animated. Every episode until the final season is a self contained story, and they all just work wonderfully. It mixes yeah. in so many different jo- action genres, and. It just is a great series to just watch and have fun with because of how creative uh, it is. Absolutely, I agree. Definitely, you can tell that Tarkovsky is definitely up there as like one of the best animators, like primal Hotel Transylvania to an extent. Like one of the best still in the business to this day. He he probably is the guy keeping the torch for action cartoons and adult animation that isn't just. Hey, Lois, remember the time I went fishing? <laughs> he probably was oh, the only animator really keeping adult animation alive that Aaron like animated sitcoms. And for that, I have a huge <sighs> amount of respect. Okay, Andy's actually, animators trying to keep uh, old school animation alive. Uh, that's that true. Can't the Popeye movie. Really appreciate that. Yeah, for <laughs> yeah. the emoji movie too. Bravo, oh, bravo. Dear. But anyways, um, yeah. okay. Actually, interesting take on that. I have not once 
I have rarely heard that particular gag. You know, there's a lot of gags on that show that get uh, heckled to high heaven. Yeah, I... But they hardly ever exist in the, existed in the show. I know. The I, know. I was just using it's... that as a as a shorthand, basically for I know, you know, I know they don't I do that. I understand, but yeah, it it's just something yeah. I couldn't help but bring up. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. That's perfectly all right. So, uh, yeah. Striker, what would you have to say is your favorite uh, Cartoon Network series? Oh, hands down, Ed and Eddie. I had a feeling <laughs> it, was, it was my favorite since uh, since I first saw it as a kid, and it will always be my favorite. Actually, yeah, man. I mean, uh, a couple of others come close, like Billy and Mandy. Um, Billy and Mandy was great. Hell yeah, yeah Billy was. And Mandy was awesome. Oh, uh, what else? Or, Fosters. I, I yeah, I like Fosters. There were a lot of good episodes in there, and honestly, oh, it yeah. Uh, oh, oh, man. Was kind of that. hit and miss. It could be good, yeah. but sometimes it could get kind of tedious. It was it was a show that was good, but it never yeah. was was great for me. It was missing. Yeah, something. it was missing it, a lot of that things. Let's be fair. It was, it was hit and miss for me, which is a shame because yeah. you know Craig's really great otherwise. But anyway, I will say this about the show: the only thing I really didn't like, well, the yeah. only episode I didn't, I actively did not like in that show. Was the was Bendy? And nobody likes that one. That nobody was, likes that, that one. Say, no one likes Bendy. Everybody, not, everybody not even Lauren Faust. Put, put the even torches down in the comment section. I'm talking about a yellow little fuzzy piece of work. Yeah, but not, not not Bendy in the Ink Machine. Did you know, so don't don't so get up to about that. Mandible yeah. things and gets away with it. it, it it's the, it is one of probably the worst cartoon episodes ever made. Uh, I do not say that lightly. I uh, don't watch it unless you want to get annoyed. So much. I, at least the catharsis was worth it, man. Because like, holy yeah. hell, did Bendy yeah. really put get put through the ringer? Do the blue? You do yeah. not fuck yeah, around with Blue. Still, you don't fuck still. around with Cartman. You don't mess with Jack. You don't mess around with Blue either. No, exactly. No. exactly. <laughs> oh, and then, <laughs> oh, and then like, my, second, my second favorite uh, Cartoon Network show. Yeah, Chowder. Oh man, I nice. like Chowder. It, I it's was a little old by Chowder Seuss, when it premiered. Oh, it, so it really, uh, so it really, is, so it really shows. But I also, but I really uh, enjoyed that, like the style that it had, like the characters. Oh, no, no doubt, I no doubt. Like, I like that Mung was inspired by freaking the Wizard of Oz, or like the actor who did the Wizard of Oz in the original 1900s. Oh, one. I didn't know that. Nice. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of hear awesome. it in his voice. Let's be fair. Huh. I'll have to rewatch it. Wow, that, that 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 sounds awesome. Definitely have to rewatch it. I used to probably rewatch it when it aired on Boeing early in the morning, but I didn't really catch it when it premiered. I was kind of uh, you know, I think it was a little too old for it when it first premiered. But I caught up with it, and it is fun. You could tell that it really has a lot of great moments. And oh, yeah. of course, our Ch Greenblatt is another great animator. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. definitely, hundred percent, hundred percent. Sounds like Harvey Beaks really, really. Showed. Yeah. And also, of course, uh, Nickelodeon screwed okay. that out, but yeah. Correct me if I'm yeah. wrong, but I'm pretty sure uh, freaking uh, Jellystone also does did the same thing. If yeah, I, if I'm, yeah, I, I, I think yeah, I'm, did. I'm, I'm pretty sure he also did Jellystone. He did. Yeah, do he was working on it. Yeah. <laughs> so we got freaking female Jabberjaw because of him. 
Yeah. The, he really made a redemption arc for a lot of those uh, old Hanna-Barbera characters, some of the more annoying ones. But we'll talk about that uh, another time when we talk about uh, Hanna-Barbera in a later episode. So, uh, Lucky Evie, what would you have to say is your fa- was your Ed favorite uh, Cartoon Network show? Ed, Ed, and Eddie. <laughs> got yep. two for Ed, Ed, and Eddie for the Ed boys. Yep. For yeah. Sean Simichael as freaking uh, Rolf. No, that's great, yo. Oh yes, I love it. Fun I love fact, it. Fun fact: Apparently, yeah. Rolf was actually inspired by Danny Antonucci himself. Huh? Nice. Because he was the only kid on his street that was, um, well, that had different traditions. Huh? Nice. Wow. Yeah. That I is think neat. he. That, I that think is... Rolf might also be an alien if one episode is to be believed, but who knows? Yeah, oh no, yeah. he's not. He's not. It's just they were never that. Yeah, with con- they they had continuity, but they didn't have continuity. In other words, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Was, I mean, yeah. so there was. Ball, there let's wasn't. be fair. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, yes, actually, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but actually, uh, no. Yes. Classic. Classic. Oh, so man. now it is time for the uh, patent pending dragonist scale. And we are going to rank uh, Cosma today. Mm. I will go first, and I am going to give her. And I don't give this lightly. You know, uh, only a few dragonesses have gotten this so far. I think only, uh, yeah, three so far. But now this is going to be a fourth. I'm giving Cosma a perfect score, ten out of ten. Damn. The the look, the voice, the design, the characteristics, everything about her is so good. Now. It, it is a shame they couldn't get the original voice actress for this episode. It is kind of a shame. But disregarding that, she is you know, really a perfect character in every way. Mm. She is like a, a great dragoness. She's a great threat. And there mm. is nobody like her on... You know, there has been nobody like her before. And there probably, sadly, won't be any uh, dragoness like her since. And it Probably. is because we've had, you know, medieval dragonesses, we've had, you know, all different kinds, but we've never had one like Cosma. And that is why yeah. she is a very fun character to me yeah. and to a lot of people. And you could definitely tell because she is probably one of the more popular characters of OKKO, OK despite only making a handful of appearances. I think she has less than 10 total in the entire series. And yet people love her for a reason. And who am I to deny it? I'm giving her a 10. I am probably going to have to go a little lower between like an eight and a nine because yeah, let's be fair. Every time she's on screen, she's competent. She's capable. She actually like, she's, she's actually one of the, she's actually one of the best Cartoon Network villains I have ever seen. Yeah. Even though she's like more or less a minor character to an extent. Uh, However, the problem here is that she doesn't have enough screen time to really be flushed out. She's like mm. a passive thought come later episodes, and that's a little sad in in my personal opinion. But this episode right here, this certainly uh, definitely expanded upon her a lot, and I really appreciate them doing that. She could so, have been a bigger villain than Boxman, actually. Yeah, exactly, I mean, exactly. she actually is a bigger villain than Boxman. Well, physically, figured, yeah. physically, physically as well. Yeah, yeah uh, relatively speaking. She is, again, she is, quote-unquote, a big fish in a small pond. Let's yeah, be fair. <laughs> exactly, exactly that. But yeah, I, I think I'm going to give her a pretty generous and honestly fairly disturb- deserving 9 out of 10. 
She, yeah, I wish she, I wish more yeah. could have done been done with her. But if on, but honestly, if that's the only problem I have with her, other than her being a passive side character, then I honestly think a nine out of ten works for her. She's not quite perfect, but she is damn impressive. Fair enough. Very very fair. So, uh, a math machine, what would you give her? I'm gonna give her a nine as well, largely because yeah, they basically just do not use her near as much as they should in the series. But also because, and bear with me for this one for a little bit, she feels a little tonally different than the rest of the show. Her intelligence and competence and skill, while there are other villains in the show that do have those kind of things, she feels far and away superior to any of them. And it feels like she was a character made for a different show that got put in this not saying that's a bad thing but you can absolutely tell that she seems a little off compared to every other character in the show uh plus i've uh seen some other episodes with her and it's another one because of her powers and abilities it does feel like another one of those the writers are uh, using their barely disguised fetish kind of thing. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Oh, yeah. Not, not as a, nothing wrong with that. Not as a jab. Just saying, like, you can tell yeah, this character yeah. is a little off for the series in a couple yeah, of ways. In that regard. Yeah, yeah I can definitely fair. see that. So, uh, Striker, what would you have to give her? Um, You know what? I think I might have to give her. Uh, nine and a half. Okay, nine point five. Damn. Uh, she is like top tier villainess, to be honest. But yeah, let's I be fair. feel like I feel like she her potential was squandered in later episodes. I blame Cartoon Network. Honestly, yeah. yeah. Me too, me I just I, I feel like she should have been the main villain. Uh, after a couple of Shadow seasons. Yeah, after here, I, that's what I said. Yeah, you know, she definitely could have been, you know, a main threat and still kept her, you know, more uh, freewheeling side from this. But yet oh, they yeah. could have made her a really competent threat. And again, I, I like uh, you guys said, I blame Cartoon Network entirely for this. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like if this show got, you know, three, maybe four more seasons, we would have seen a lot more of her. A lot absolutely but it feels like it was rushed after a while yeah yeah it definitely felt that you know they're racing against the clock for a cancellation but i definitely get your point and uh lucky evie what would you have to give her well i would have voted lower for her at the start of this but after hearing everything i'm willing to i'm willing to vote eight nice 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 I think, um, looking at the scores, that makes her probably one of the highest uh, ranking Dragnesses on the scale so far. That is that is very impressive. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So, if you have any questions, or if you want to share some Star Trek Next Generation slash Cosmic Crossover art, you can feel free to email us at fieryDiscourse at Outlook.com, or visit us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash fieryDiscourse. Next time, we'll be talking about the 2014 The 7D episode, Grim the Dragon. Until then, take care. Yep. Peace, y'all. Peace out. Adios. Peace out. Later.